electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. OpenAI's governance structure, a nonprofit board with a mission to benefit humanity, overseeing a for-profit arm backed by Microsoft, why that might just be typical Silicon Valley, and how it caused a mess in the Valley. It's Tuesday, November 21st. Welcome to Tech Check. I am Deirdre Bosa with Mark Gilbert on another action-packed day, Gilbert. I know the the uh, fallout from OpenAI continues. We talked about the corporate structure at OpenAI yesterday, but today we're going to go a little deeper because it's actually not all that unusual in Silicon Valley and reveals a lot about the tensions that occur all the time between investors, Wall Street and founders, companies, San Francisco culture. Yeah, I found myself thinking a lot about this this morning, especially, you know, talking to some of our East Coast colleagues who couldn't believe that the structure existed in the first place. And, you know, it is surprising because we're in the business of covering for-profit companies and stocks that settle every single day. That is CNBC's bread and butter. So OpenAI's nonprofit structure, it's a very novel, unusual, high-minded, and maybe what we're finding out now, maybe untenable concept, but we have to go back to the idea too that this is Silicon Valley in a nutshell. Silicon Valley has operated on these high-minded ideas of doing something special and different for decades, right? Disruption, world-changing ideas. A lot of them don't work out, but you don't hear about a lot that don't work out. And they certainly don't implode the way that OpenAI has over the last few days. Right. And, and we're going to talk about Silicon Valley specifically, but I think a lot of corporate America has little anachronisms like this for whatever reason, you know, for historical reasons, for boosting morale, for elevating the mission of the company. Um, you know, I think about Goldman Sachs, right? Goldman Sachs was a partnership um, that then went, you know, it had a, a partnership structure with partners who shared in the in the profits of the business. And then it went public and now it just has shareholders and it's supposed to be run like any other business, but it maintains this sort of vestiges of uh, of a partnership business. And it's just because that's the culture of the firm. You know, I also think about one other example is law firms, right? Where there's some tension between, uh, you know, the goal of the firm as stated to uh, help the client as much as possible, right? But then the financial interests of the firm are to bill the client and to bill as many hours as possible. And we don't really talk about, you know, that tension all the time between what the client wants and what the firm wants. That's a great point, right? In many businesses, not just technology, especially when it's so important, right? Something like justice in the field of law, you have to manage that profitability with the service you want to give to humanity, which it does sound so high-minded, but the stakes are thought to be so high and so consequential in generative AI. You've got, you know, like the godfather of AI, Jeffrey Hinton, saying that he had to leave Google so he could speak more freely. And he's worried about the impact generative AI could have on society as a whole. So that's an interesting 
you know, way to walk down, but we're going to talk about this in a little bit as well. OpenAI wanted its cake and to eat it too. It wanted to raise money. It wanted to be a quickly scaling startup while keeping sort of those tenants in place. So OpenAI was certainly the latest iteration of that principle in Silicon Valley. Um, and they had to serve humanity first, that, that charter. But I have to say that persisted. It was compromised. We're going to get to that. But that idea persisted even in recent weeks. Sam Altman was in an interview with the Financial Times just earlier this month saying, and I'm going to quote it here, it doesn't make sense to try and shoehorn us into a company from the last generation of tech because this is just like a different thing. So he's saying here, Gilbert, explicitly that OpenAI should not be part of a company like Microsoft. And you do hear that time and time again. Think about the mobile shift, right? To get the Ubers, the Snaps, all these new companies, the Twitters, they had to be mobile native. They didn't come from companies that existed in the previous era. And that's what you hear a lot with AI as well. They had to develop and be founded independently. Right. And I want to point out that we should be, and we both are skeptical of this idea, right? That this is how Facebook and Google also view themselves. And then they built huge money generating ads business. Uh, you know, on top of that. So yes, it's all about, you know, connecting humankind and serving all the information when you want it. Those are the missions. But it's also about being insanely profitable and building these huge, um, you know, money making businesses. Yes. And I go back to Google's, you know, mantra when it was being created, don't be evil. You And many people have sort of scoffed at that in recent years as employees become disillusioned, dissatisfied with the principles that the company was founded on. And, you know, at CNBC, maybe we think about that as, you know, those incentives and profitability becoming aligned. That's what capitalism is. But there's a faction that, you know, wants to keep those values front and center. And that's sort of what happened at OpenAI, right? These two different camps or tribes, whatever you want to call it. Over the years, some of the high-minded principles that OpenAI was founded on, they were compromised. Um, I was looking at its technical goals. This was written way back by Elon Musk when he helped found the company or the nonprofit, I should say. Um, and one of those technical goals was the commitment to openly share plans and capabilities along the way. They haven't exactly done that in recent years. That, that document also said that they would share more of the governance structure. And we still don't even know why they turned against Altman in the first place. No one has really been able to come out and say this is the definitive reason why. There's still just a lot of speculation. So it's possible that Altman and some of the others decided that being a traditional tech company, making money, answering to shareholders would ultimately keep them more in check and achieve some of those values, maybe not perfectly, but the best way to build a company that will make change and build it responsibly. Right. And this is an idea that Satya Nadella talked about. Uh, he came on CNBC last night uh, trying to sort of calm investors and partners uh, and sort of massage the situation. And John Fort asked him about this very nonprofit, nonprofit structure. So let's take a listen to that. And I've always sort of subscribed to, you know, that, you know, the idea that the social contract of a corporation is to drive profitable solutions to the challenges of people and planet. And so to when I think about the license for, to operate for Microsoft, yes, of course, we have to generate profit. But at the end of the day, we have to create solutions that are useful and are real solutions 
to challenges of people and planet. So this is not about profit for profit's sake, but it's about driving profit by doing work that the society needs. That's how I think we have a license to operate in every community and country uh, that we operate in. And so that's what we will continue to. And it goes back to this like philosophical idea, right? That um, the greater good is served maybe by profitability and that you will achieve the right things for society, as he said, you know, not about profit for profit's sake, but driving profit by doing the work that society needs, that, you know, they're not separate from each other. You can do both. And I will just note, Gilbert, that in a strange way, I was thinking about all the tech news that we've covered over the last year, especially. But this saga with OpenAI, it's not all that different from the tech blobs in the past, right? This idea that Silicon Valley operates on, um, that it's different, that it's unique. Look at Silicon Valley Bank, right? <laughs> it it thought that it, you know, was doing a duty by extending loans to small businesses, mortgages to entrepreneurs. But at the end of the day, it answered to interest rates. You got Sam Bankman Freed, Theranos, WeWork. The promise of Silicon Valley is appealing. And in some major cases, Apple, Microsoft, Google, et cetera, has created the largest companies in the world. But we talk less about the cases when it doesn't deliver. Right. I, I think sort of what you're talking about and what you're getting at, and I think it's really interesting to think about all those examples, but maybe I'm just, let's like pick one to think about maybe WeWork, is that uh, there's a transition that has to happen, right? So in the beginning, when you found this company, you're selling a vision and a dream that doesn't exist yet. And you're trying to excite, you know, you're probably trying to excite yourself as a founder a little bit. You're trying to attract employees. You're trying to tell a story, sell a narrative to investors, and then ultimately to customers. You're trying to sell this idea, hey, come sign with us. We're going to be, you know, the next great platform for the next hundred years, right? And so you're sort of selling this idea that doesn't exist yet. And then somewhere along the way, there has to be a transition where all of a sudden you become something that that does exist, that actually operates mm -hmm. in the real world and, you know, makes money and has a, a normal, you know, corporate governance structure and sort of gets gets to be grounded. And what we see a lot, uh, a lot of times and what we've seen recently in a lot of these cases is that there's the beginning part, there's the vision, and then it never, you know, the the pieces never actually fall to the ground and get anchored to mm -hmm. to reality. And I think what founders, especially the ones I know, would say is that building a business is really, really difficult. And it's like riding a roller coaster. So you need that narrative. You need something to believe in. With your WeWork example, um, I just thought of when I asked Adam Newman, I think in 2019, when he would know that it was time to go public. And he said, when we can raise the world's consciousness, you know, that high-minded idea, right, persisted, even though he was raising billions and billions of dollars from investors. Getting back to OpenAI, our, our, all-star producer, Jasmine Wu, she found this. I don't know how she found this. She went deep into the archives to find this Hacker News chat from 2019. Hacker News is a longtime techie discussion board. And in this thread, Greg Brockman, one of the OpenAI founders, he was going back and forth with some anonymous posters about the structure of the company, sorry, the nonprofit. And reading it back today, it feels so prescient. So here's here's what one of these anonymous posters said to Greg Brockman. This is back in 2019. They said, I just feel like you're trying to have the best of both worlds. You want the hyper growth startup that attracts talent and investors, but you also want the mission statement for people that aren't motivated by money. I suspect trying to maintain this middle ground will be an incredibly damaging factor moving forward. 
as the people who are purely profit-driven will look elsewhere and the people who are truly mission-driven will also look elsewhere. And Mark, you could have written this quote over the weekend because that's sort of exactly how it's played out. The future of OpenAI hangs in the balance right now. We don't even know if it's going to be a company for anyone to govern or work at. Um, And, you know, the people who want to build um, and build so profitably, OpenAI is saying, look, you got a home here. You can do both. Right. I think we could have read that quote right at the beginning. That quote really gets to the core of the tension that's happening right now that caused these problems. Um, you know, it needed to be figured out before uh, before the CEO was sort of abruptly fired. I have a larger point to make on that, which is that that's not just specific to open AI and it's not just specific to tech. Um, you know, organi- organizations and systems tend to be more successful if they have a clear mission and the incentives of the business are aligned towards that towards that system and i'm you know i'm thinking about uh the way we regulate you know healthcare in this country uh where it's you know it's a there's a free market there are publicly traded companies but then there's these you know also exchanges and the government is highly involved and it's very uh unclear how you actually pay for something these insurance steps between in between you and the provider i'm also thinking about banking right where there is you know there's a there's a, of course, there's a free market. There's all these banks competing against each other. But then there's also this socialized system where, when there's a crisis, the government steps in and and you know and, and, uh, protects against losses. And it, it creates sort of you know it's it's a moral hazard or adverse selection. It mm-hmm. kind of creates these strange incentives where nobody knows is this is this a strict free market or is this a you know a socialized system? And you you, you got to be clear, especially within companies, about what the what the incentives are and what your goals are. I like those two examples you brought up, banking and healthcare, two of the you know notoriously most difficult industries um, to get into, highly regulated. And you know, big tech is looking to them recently too, because sort of the challenges create an opening, right, for players to come in. And I wonder if generative AI is going to develop in that way. And if that's such a bad thing. I don't know. This this lesson will be telling and we'll certainly be revisiting it. And it's not done yet. Like we said yesterday, this is not done yet. We don't know where Sam Altman is ultimately going to go, what the fate of OpenAI is. But you mentioned banking. Um, Gilbert, today, even the tech news doesn't stop. We've received headlines. Binance founder Changpeng Zhao, also known as CZ, has agreed to step down and plead guilty. So the Crypto exchange Binance, which is the world's largest crypto exchange, will also admit wrongdoing and agree to pay $4.3 billion in fines. I have to say, <laughs> I nothing really can surprise me anymore in crypto. Um, there's just been so much. And since the fall of Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, you know, and I've interviewed CZ in the past, it just the whole thing has just unraveled over the last few years. It felt like this was just another piece of it. I like Dan Premack's tweet on this. He said, if you're a crypto exchange operator not being sued in the US government, not being sued by the US government, are you really a crypto exchange operator? And that's <laughs> that sums it up for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think the um as we just saw, you know, we listened and, and paid attention to the whole SBF uh trial and drama and, and how it was revealed, sort of how um, how immature the the corporate governance and you know structured in place for that business was just an unserious um, process. You know, 
I think you could probably compare it to the open AI situation with, you know, people going on Twitter and sort of, you know, high level executives at this company posting like different colored hearts on Twitter. It, it just mm-hmm. feels unserious. Uh, and, and this is, again, you know, this is uh, CZ. I think the important part is, is not just the fine, but the fact that he's pleading, pleading guilty. Um, and it just feels like the, you know, the, the processes were, were not in place uh, for this type of business. You know who looks really good in all of this is Brian Armstrong and Coinbase. They've very early on worked with regulators, and that made it really challenging for them to compete with Binance and FTX. But (laughs) Binance and FTX may not be around. And then, you know, they're in an interesting position if you think we're at the early stages of crypto. And, you know, I think there's good reason to think so that this is an industry that's going to exist. So, Mark, it's a holiday week. Um, the news does not stop. In fact, it's been one of the busiest weeks and it's only Tuesday. And we so, get uh, NVIDIA earnings in a couple hours and that'll be sort of fascinating to see what they say about AI and what they see for for sales growth for their CPUs. Um, I'm, I'm very curious and I'm sure we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yep. So I'll see you then. See ya. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.